Kankakee Podcast is presented by Pewter Pros, Stitch Prints, and Digital World Design family of businesses, celebrating 25 years of small business ownership in Kankakee County. You can learn more at mypewterpros.com, stitchprints.com, and digitalworlddesign.com. Plus, now through March 15th, Pewter Pros is offering $50 off all refurbished laptops and desktops in store. All include one-year parts and labor warranty. So go see Pewter Pros today on Industrial Drive and Bradley. Thankful for the way these stories hold on to the lifetime we won't get back. I know these rivers carry. Hello and welcome to Kankakee Podcast, where we talk about the people and places of Kankakee County. I'm Jake Lamore, and before we get to today's wonderful guest, let's take a look at some upcoming community events. Tickets are on sale right now for KVTA's Muana Jr. Show dates are March 17th through the 19th. You can get your tickets at kvta.org. There's an Alzheimer's Community Forum coming up on Tuesday, March 14th at the Kankakee Public Library starting at 530. It's absolutely free. You can learn more about the impact of Alzheimer's disease, risk factors, current research, and some valuable local resources here in the Kankakee. Key area. We the People are presenting the Blue Gala Fundraiser March 25th at the Quality Inn on Route 50 in Bradley. Tickets are $75 for singles, $140 for couples, and all proceeds will go towards Kankakee County Police Departments for needed equipment. Tickets can be purchased in advance at the Quality Inn front desk, Candy and Cake, and Joy's Hallmark. If you would like your community event to be mentioned here on Kankakee Podcast, you can email it to me at LLC at gmail.com for consideration. Now let's get to today's guest. This is a patron episode where someone has taken it upon themselves to donate or to pledge to our patron program. Because if you pledge $100 or more per month to our patron program, you get to be a guest on an episode of Kankakee Podcast. And the second person to take us up on that is Bill or William. I don't know anyone that calls you William. Nobody calls me no, William. No one calls you William except the government, right? We'll keep them out of this. <laughs> we'll keep them out of this. But Bill Parakis from Meineke in Bourbonnais, 
Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Pleasure to be here. And did I pronounce your last name correctly, right? Depends on what side of the water you're from. Okay, well... Most of us over here say Paracas. Paracas. Okay, I said Paracas, didn't I? But Paracas. Yeah, welcome to the podcast. It's so great to have you here. Happy um, to be here. When when you made a pledge, I was just extremely flattered to have your support because you are so well known in the the Kankakee County area. I mean, I know so many people that go <laughs> to Meineke and get their car done at your shop, including myself. I started doing that probably around the time that I started working at the radio stations, and that's would have been around the time that I first met you. So probably eight years ago at this point, somewhere around there. Not that it really matters, but yeah, I've always been satisfied anytime I've gone in there to take my car. So I'm flattered. And again, it, the fact that you say that I'm well known, I mean, we just do our little thing over here in the corner <laughs> of the world. And I have always been a fan of yours. I always thought you did a terrific job and been living through your life vicariously through Facebook and watching you grow and do different things. And the podcast has been terrific and happy to be a part of it. Well, it's very flattering. And I think it's not just because you have Meineke. It's the fact that you and Meineke together give back to the community quite a bit. I feel like I'm seeing your name helping sponsor or endorse or just be a part of important things in the community. One of them being the Speedway, actually, you know, because we know the the Speedway, it's had its good and bad days, the Kankakee County Speedway. So, I mean, that's just the Bourbon A Friendship Festival. The the list goes on. There is somewhat of a list now. And, you know, I've kind of lost track because a long time ago, I had subscribed to the idea that I wanted to be able to do something for anyone that was in need that asked. And it, it, it might not be something elaborate. When I first started the shop, or when I first took over the shop 17 years ago, you know, things were, were tight. There was a, about three or four years before we figured out the cash flow and started getting to a point to where we knew what to expect and, and were comfortable. And then the shop's grown. But, you know, we, we didn't have a lot of resources to be able to do a tremendous amount. But I never wanted to say no. And we started out with car wash buckets for benefits and things sure. that people were doing to help and raise money. And it didn't cost us a great deal of money, but, you know, we got to give something to somebody without saying no. We had been a very long time BBYSL sponsor, and that was probably the first local. It, it grew into other schools and, and signage on the football field over at BBYSL, things with Bishop Mack, things with, again, anybody that, that would ask. I don't know that we've necessarily developed a reputation for it, but I, I just try not to say no. That, now you're going to get so many calls now. <laughs> You know, and, and that's that's okay, too, because, again, we'll, we'll, we try and do what we can for what we deem viable. It, it came from a long time ago. You know, I, I started out in Chicagoland in Displains, Mount Prospect area. Okay. And there was a restaurant. Oh, it still is. There's a restaurant up there called the Choo Choo. And it's a little place where they bring your food out on a train. They've, they've reopened under new management. I understand they're doing a great job. But I went there when the original owner had it. Okay. And it was kind of cutesy because the back of the menu actually had a story of how they started out. And they told about how Ray Kroc, who had built the very first McDonald's two blocks away, 
from this particular location had come in and he was looking around the place and talking to the owner and his comment to them was, yeah, I won't be any competition for you. I don't even have seating in my restaurant. And then the rest went on. Well, while I was there visiting that restaurant and reading the story, these two Girl Scouts came in and went up to the owner and asked if they'd buy a box of Girl Scout cookies. And the, the woman looked at him and said, you know, I'm sorry, girls, if I did it for you, I'd have to do it for everybody. And I thought in my head, it's $8 in Girl Scout cookies for crying out loud. Come here, kids. Let me buy a box of Girl Scout cookies from you. And I took that experience and expounded on, hey, if, if somebody needed something and, and we could afford to help out, we would. And we have. And we've been very blessed to be able to grow into the fact that we could do things like help out the Speedway, help out cruising the square in Kankakee, help out with the Friendship Festival and all the other things that we do. Yeah, I love that. I love that story a lot. And yeah, so I should, I guess we should get to the beginning of you. I remember early conversations I had with you you went to high school at Carl Sandburg? That's correct. Yeah. I, I don't know. Somehow I remember that because I just remember, I think the reason why I remember it is because that's where you started learning how cars work or, or there was a program at that high school we shop, had a, shop program. We had a terrific shop program. It was yeah. actually second. It, it, it envied most dealerships, environments, and it envied just about any vocational school that I had ever seen in my experience. We had a 10-bay automotive shop. We had a three-bay body shop. And from freshman year on, I attended all the courses that they had. Matter of fact, through that automotive program, I was able to participate in VICA, Vocational Industrial Clubs of America. I had passed the test. I was accepted. And I was one of the 30 people that got to go down to Springfield and compete for automotive knowledge and testing and things like that. And that was in my junior year. Most people didn't make it until their senior year to do such a thing. After that, I had actually didn't think I was going to pursue automotive as my career. I had left and I had done some other things. And I had been working since I was 13 years old. I started out with family who had local businesses. You know, we had a landscape business. We had a tool store. And with the tool store, I had the experience of traveling around the country, going to Iola, Wisconsin, and Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and Carlisle, and Hershey, and all that. For, like, different tool There were different shows. car shows. Oh, car shows. Yep, there oh, were okay. car shows, and we'd set up a tent, and we'd sell our tools there. As a matter of fact, one of, the, one of the people that were there that were very small at the time was Eastwood. Eastwood Manufacturing Company in Alsip, and they have several locations around the country now, but they were set up right down the street from us there. And now they've gone on to be a really big thing where folks that did the tool store had gone on to other things, which goes into the next. After we had done that, I had gone into insurance sales of all things at 18 years old. And I was selling health and life insurance and senior care products at 18 years old to wow. people in their 60s and 70s. It really didn't interest me. So I had left that. I had had an opportunity to do some other things in the meantime. I worked for Darwin Furniture, delivering furniture. Sorry, before you continue, I'm just curious, why didn't you stick with cars if you were so good at it? Oh, I'll get to that school. in a second. Okay, okay. You're gonna, you're gonna, <laughs> and what I, I guess what I thought was, you know, I, that I don't know if I didn't think I was good enough or wasn't, wasn't sure how to pursue it otherwise. And I had had some opportunities where it looked like it was going to be very lucrative and and not necessarily, you know, the, the life that I'd gotten into and thought, well, you know, let's give this an opportunity. Let's give it a shot. If I didn't, I wouldn't really have the background that I have now. Yeah. And most of that 
really originated from sales. And what's funny is how that ties back into the automotive side. You know, from health and life insurance, I went back to delivering furniture because I wasn't sure what else to do, and I wanted to get out of that environment altogether and not have to be thinking as hard. Well, while I was doing that, I made a lateral move over to an audio warehouse. It was called Highland Superstores at the time. Highland and Fredder were the best buy in the circuit cities of the day. And while I was working in the warehouse there, took care of a customer up front, and the manager, Paul Mazarowski, says, you know, we could really use you on the sales floor. So he puts me on the sales floor over there. While I'm on the sales floor, the president of Saxon Paint and Wallpaper at the time comes, or the vice president of Saxon Paint and Wallpaper comes in, and he brings in his wife for a Walkman. And they wanted a Walkman at the time. We didn't have all the phones and everything else. And as I'm showing him the Walkmans, here we're looking at a $130 Walkman, which is the equivalent of, I don't know, six, seven, eight dollars $800 phone today. Yeah. And, you know, as we're talking about, and he's, I'm asking key questions about their needs and what do you sure. want to use it for. And, you know, I, I happen to mention, I, say, you know, I usually don't offer this to anybody, but I don't know product like this that's this expensive. You know, you're not buying a $20 or $30 piece. You know, for $15, we can insure it, and anything happens over to it over the next three years, we'll, we'll gladly replace it. And if this model's not available, you get the next upgraded model for the same value. And he looked at me, and he's paused for a second. He says, you know, I've, I've, I've never bought one of these things in my life, and I'm considering buying it now. How would you like to run my custom window department in the Orland Park store? <laughs> okay. <laughs> so I went over to Saxon, and I ran the custom window department. And that's where I realized the customer service wasn't for me at the time. I wanted to get as far away from it as possible. And I went back to college at Moraine Valley Community College. I got my associates in automotive and I started in the automotive world because I thought I didn't want to talk to people. Now, funny enough, here I am working in the automotive world. I've got my little corner of the shop. I'm happy as a clam because I just have to talk to people two or three times a day. And the rest of the time, the manager is going to take care of it. So one day, I'm in, and I started out at, at a Crestwood location. And this family had, at the time, four locations. And we grew it to six. And I think now they're up to 13. They're a very successful family and very, very nice people that I got started with in the business that showed me the ropes on how to run a shop properly. Well, I got transferred over to the Orland Park store one day, which was their busiest location in the chain or in their group. And I had an opportunity where the, the owner's son was running the store and he was busy on the phone. He had a phone in each ear and taking care of a customer. And I had taken my customer out to show them what they needed on their vehicle. So I saw the estimate sitting on the counter. I just took it upon myself to go ahead and show them what they needed, sign at the bottom here. We'll go ahead and get started. Have it done in an hour. He looked at me, dropped the phone out of his hand. He says, you're not going back to Crestwood. And I became the assistant manager of Orland Park. A few years later, I had my own shop for them, which I ran for three years. Then I went on to be a district manager for Meineke. And then when Paul wanted to sell his shop here in Bourbon A, I took the opportunity and I've been here for 17 years. Wow. So when you were working with that other, excuse me, with that other group, was it Meineke or was it? What it, was it was not actually. I started off working for Midas. When I was at Moraine Valley, there was a program, a job assistance program, if you will. And okay, you got through, you graduated, you got your degree, we'll help you get a job if need be. So at the time, Midas had just started having a relationship, trying to find new technicians. And then the other opportunity I had was a Goodyear Center. Well, when I called the Goodyear Center first, because I thought I wanted to go into more of a full service shop, which at the time we weren't in that industry, the fellow that answers the phone says, oh, yeah, you, you can come in and talk to us if you want to. He didn't sound real excited about hearing from me and being new in the business. But as soon as I called Jim Bratcher over there at the Mida shop in Orland Park, he answered the phone. He was happy as a clam. Oh, yeah, no, it's a new program. We just started over there. We'd love to talk to you. Come on in. And that's where I was. And they treated me like family. For a while there, they called me Billy Bratcher because, you know, they were so closely related to the family there. And they really did a lot for me and my family. They were terrific people. Yeah. 
Wow, that's incredible. I guess that just goes to show, and I feel like every time I walk into Meineke, or not even, I don't even have to walk in, I just, a phone call, it's customer service. Like, that's why I keep coming back, is because the customer service is just outstanding. I'm very happy to hear you say that. <laughs> yeah. we, we try really hard to make that happen. I want people to be treated the way I'd like to be treated. I take each experience that I can think of, and I'm still learning. I mean, every day we find something new where it's like, well, maybe we should address this now this way because, you know, things have changed, times have changed, what have you. But I, every time I'm in a retail experience, I try and take that experience and think about how we could have handled it better in order to make it better for the person. It's not even my business. There's somebody else's You're business just, that we're talking yeah, about. But you go ahead and you apply that to your own business. You're like, oh, like I should keep that in mind for the next interaction I have at my own shop Absolutely. at Meineke. So during that time, you're working up in Orland, mm -hmm. right? Are you living in Orland or you... At the time, I was living up north. I lived in okay. Tinley, Orland, Bridgeview. My family came to, um, my, most of my family's from the Oaklawn area. Most of them lived within about a mile away from each other. We centered around St. Nicholas Church on 103rd and Costner. I came out to, and I, really my first experience with Kankakee was actually by accident. And it was back when I was in high school, my friend Lance Grafen and I, he's actually my lead technician at the shop, we, we had gone out to Bridgeview to Haunted Trails. And we had started going, I, I don't know, I don't even know how it happened, but we wound up getting on I-55 and we're going to have to hurry home because we're going to be late and we're going to get in trouble. So we got off on LaGrange Road. We wound up going north on LaGrange Road thinking, oh, this doesn't look right. We better turn around and go back the other way. We got back on the highway and we just expected to see another exit. And I don't know what the heck we were thinking at 17 years old there. <laughs> but, but we wound up in on exit 113, which is Coal City, Kankakee. So here we are calling our parents at, where are you? Out of the sign says, Coal City, Kankakee. What are you doing out there? <laughs> They're like, you're way out in the boonies. So, so at $2 worth of gas at a time, we made our way home, and uh, here we were. Now, what's funny about my second experience with Kankakee was after that happened, my father shared a story with me about when he was in his 20s before he got drafted into the Army. My uncle John, God rest his soul, was going to take him out pheasant hunting. So they come out to Kankakee to Aroma Park to go pheasant hunting. Well, you know, they, they're looking all over the place for where they can go, and here's no trespassing, violators will be shot, no trespassing, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. So they come up on this place, and here's all these pheasants flying out of the bushes, and my Uncle John's in his glory, and he pulls over. He says, this is the place. My dad looks and says, what, what about the no trespassing sign? <laughs> Don't worry about it. I'll, I'll just start speaking Greek, tell him I'm just off the boat. I didn't understand English. I couldn't <laughs> read the sign. <laughs> now, now, this is in the, the mid-60s or so. Okay. So they... They go out there. My dad goes one way. My uncle goes the other. My uncle's in his glory shooting away. My dad can't hit anything. He decides, I'm just going to go back to the car. He goes back to the car. It's locked. He's like, oh, forget it. So he sits down next to a tree, opens up the shotgun, takes the shells out, and falls asleep. Well, next thing he knows, he feels somebody pulling on the gun. So he gets up and he grabs the guy's arm and knocks him on the ground and it happens to be the game warden. So he, he gets up and dusts him off there and says, sorry about that, sir. So do you have any ID? He says, hey, actually, I, I forgot my wallet at home. They're getting the car. So, oh, man. so while, while he's in the back of the squad car, here's my Uncle John with an arm full of pheasants. And as he's walking, he's tossing one to the left and tossing one to the right because he could see the game the, the warden, game warden yeah. over there until he's got three in his hands. Well, it turns out they were on a pheasant farm. 
Oh, no wonder why there's so many pheasants. <laughs> he thought he died oh, and went man. to heaven. So after they get all settled, all right, fine, you're done, you're down to the limit there. You've got your ID, you've got your gun card. You, you're going to jail. So, whoa, 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 wait, 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 isn't there anything else we can do? He says, well, and I don't remember the fellow's name. You can go see Judge So-and-so at the Aroma Park Legion Hall there and see what he says about it. <laughs> so they get in the car, they go over to the Aroma Park Legion, and they say, we're looking for Judge So-and-so. And here's this big, tall guy with a bloody apron on. He says, what'd you boys do? But at that point, my uncle and my dad are being smart. Alex says, what do you care what we did? Where's the judge at? The guy takes off the apron, puts on the robe, and says, now you boys want to tell me what you did. <laughs> Man. So the, the story the, just keeps getting better and better. The icing on the cake was that when that was all said and done, he says, all right, boys, that'll be a $20 fine and $30 court cost. So what court? You want to wait until Monday to see it yourself? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm sure that was something Coming from, you know, our Bridgeport area. You know, oh, Oak Lawn, uh, Chicago. Oak Lawn, yeah, yeah, South Chicago. And then coming down here to where it's, yeah, it's like little country living. Oh, Honest to God. Gosh, that's hilarious. Man. <laughs> well, you want to wait till Monday so, to find out? You, you want to wait till Monday to see it yourself? <laughs> so then how did you catch wind of Meineke in Bourbon A? being so I was sold Paul, then. Well, I was Paul's district manager. And Paul Paul Tetro was a great guy. His dad Len was on the radio for a long time there before he passed away, God rest his soul. And Paul and I would talk on a monthly basis there. And he was a, a store that always did well on its own. It didn't require a lot of attention, but I'd still come down and see him, you know, four or five times a year. And we'd talk on the phone once a once a month. So one time he called me up, he says, Hey, hey Bill, how do we sell one of these things? I said, oh, you're full of crap. Said, no, I'm serious. So I'll come and see you tomorrow. And we made a deal and I bought the I bought the shop from him. You were how how many different stores were you managing then when you were district? I was up to eighty. Oh, oh man, it's, you must have been traveling a lot. I was uh, not as bad as what it, the position had grown to be over time. But when I first started, we had about forty-seven shops in my territory, and they expanded to give me um, Michigan. I had Indiana. I was going into then that was just from basically Kankakee was about as far down as I went. And then they gave me the rest of Illinois. And by that time, I was saying, you know, this is a little bit too much, guys. And I, I was wondering what my next move was going to be. And then when Paul called, it was like an answer to a prayer. Yeah, especially with, you know, what, small kids? What ages were your kids by then? Oh, all of my kids were under 15 years old at the time. Yeah, so you're like, all this traveling is not oh, working. Right. All, but... all my kids were under 12 years old at the time. What am I saying? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so what's the first thing you remember then when you officially took over the Bourbon A, Meineke, you know, it, it, it really seemed like I knew a lot of people already. And I don't know if it was the time that I had spent here with Paul or that everyone was just that welcoming, but everything was really great. People were good to us. We were good to them. We had started expanding services, and that's really why Paul wanted to retire and get out. He had gotten into the business when we were mostly just a muffler and brake shop. He had expanded into oil changes. We, of course, did you know alignments and, and things like that. But when we had to get into full service in order to survive, since some of the segment of our business was going away, mainly exhaust, he wasn't looking forward to making that change after having already done it for 15 years. So. We had started adding services. We were doing maintenance. We were learning more about, well, everybody in the shop was learning more. We, we attended a lot more training, and we grew from there. 
Do you have any recollection of any, like, the first encounters with anyone, like, well-known in the community that you can think of? You know, no, because I really didn't start meeting... Well, I, I really didn't know who was well-known and who wasn't, yeah. quite frankly, at the time. I would say one of my favorite influential people that I've met and we're still friends to this day is Howard Hayes. Now, Howard had the used car lot across the street from us there. And Howard had gone on to bigger and better things and he was pretty much renting the lot out to somebody else. But Howard was a customer and he was pretty influential in the um, in the industry. His dad was Ken Hayes. Okay. I was, gonna, I was just going to ask that if there was a relation there. And I think it was Howard that really started introducing me to other people in the area. Um, he got us affiliated with, with Clancy Gernon Funeral Homes, and the Clancy's bring me their uh, their service vehicles as well as their personal vehicles, and uh, we've met a lot of people through that. And uh, then we started having a relationship with Olivet. And again, I don't, I, I'll say it's by accident, but obviously there's a method to the madness. And what is the method to the madness? You know, just wanting to do the right thing first and then realizing later that gee that was pretty brilliant i didn't even know i was doing that crap for crying out loud <laughs> you know for instance you know um the mrs bowling had come in one time to have a tire repaired on uh, the vehicle that she was driving and you know she remarkably she'd come in by herself whereas most of the time everybody was so busy that you know they'd bring in dr bowling's car or something like that for him but she would make the time to come over herself and you know the tire was damaged beyond repair so we had to order one for her so she came in for us to install it and she came up to uh to pay us and i said you know what listen you guys do a heck of a lot for the community there and you know here this one's on me let the school go ahead and have a break here for a change and i don't know they thought that was terrific and i just thought i was doing something little there and you know the, we expanded from there um to the point to where even now um we even contribute a very yeah it, it's it's menial in my impression but to the school they, they think it's terrific we contribute a little bit each year so that they can use it as scholarship money for students that might have a hard time paying for their tuition and therefore they've got a uh, reserve fund in order to be able to help people in that respect so that's that's a that's a great partnership right there because everyone could use help getting through school we all know how expensive it is oh for sure you know? i mean i know you helped put your kids through college so you <laughs> you definitely know you know my, my kids did a really good job on their own they're they're very self-sufficient they've they've learned but of course we've always done what we could for them and again i wish i would have had the resources that i had now when they yeah. were younger but i didn't so right but but you continue to, to give to the to the youth. Oh, absolutely. Through, yeah, through organizations or businesses or schools like all of that. I'm curious to know what is the craziest call you've ever gotten or the craziest thing you've ever seen walk or drive, I should say, drive into your shop. What's funny about that is what, what I think is is crazy is very serious to whoever's calling at the time. Yeah. So I, I don't want to minimize or, or ridicule anything that, that anybody's ever brought to my attention that they think's a, a big problem that, that may turn out to be something less. Although I'll tell you a great story about finding noises. And I think to this day, I'm the guy that if you really have something that one of the guys are having a hard time finding, you're gonna be I'm, I'm going to be the guy it. that finds yeah. it. So years and years ago, we had a customer come in with a Chrysler K car. It was the 
the mid-sized, small, compact Chrysler that Lee Iacocca saved the company with. And we had done a bunch of work on the vehicle the week before, and he came back complaining that he had this tink-tink noise. So take a ride with the customer. says, yeah, yeah, I hear it. Okay, fine. So we bring it in the shop. I'm taking everything apart. Everything's perfect on this vehicle. There's nothing making this noise. I can't imagine where it's coming from. 45 minutes later, I'm ready to give up on it. I go to back it out of the shop, and I hear, tink-tink, the heck is that? I grab the keys on the steering column. No, it's not the keys. They're not hitting anything. Still hear the tink-tink. So I open up the ashtray, and there's a brand-new clean ashtray with a pack of Rolaids inside of it. And every time you would stop, the Rolaids would roll to the front of the ashtray and go, (laughs) tink-tink. So I put them back in there, and I pulled out front. I said, sir, you want to take a ride with me? I think I found your noise. So he got in the car with me there. I said, do you hear it? He said, yeah, I hear it. I mean, he was upset at this point. I opened up the ashtray, and I took out the Rolaids, and I hit the brakes. I said, do you hear it now? Do that again. I hit the brakes again. I don't even know how those got in there. I don't even use the Rolaids. You know, it's fine, sir. It happens all the time. Don't worry it's about a, it. It's okay. Like, we all have had to use Rolaids at one point or another. Gosh, that's now, great. Now, funny enough. Two days later, I have this guy come in with a caravan and says, you know, I, I just got my brakes done two weeks ago, and I hear this tink-tink noise. I, I, I'll take this one. I got it. <laughs> Is it Rollades? Did you buy some Rollades recently? Funny enough, that one happened to be he had a furniture-moving cart that was turned upside down so it wouldn't roll around, and it was near enough to the seat that the ball-bearing wheel would hit the back base of the seat and go tink-tink. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that stuff. Wow. Yeah, you're a master at this point then with those I'm noises. I'm still learning. <laughs> yeah, what's the, the latest thing that you've come across? You know, the most unfortunate thing that we come across nowadays is the things rusting out from underneath everybody. Yeah. You know, I, I don't know why we still worked on older vehicles back in the day, but nothing seemed to rust out like it does now. And we're real cautious before we suggest, you know, two, three, four hundred dollars, thousand, two thousand dollars in repairs to look over and say, listen, are you sure this is a vehicle you want to invest in? Let me show you why and make sure that we're going over with a fine tooth comb just to make sure that the frame's not going to fall out of the darn thing in two weeks. And that's the most unfortunate thing because nothing's cheap anymore. You know, the used car market's gone crazy. Yesterday's $5,000, or I should say two years ago or three years ago's $5,000 car is a $10,000, $12,000 car right now. And if you try and replace it with something new, you're hard pressed to find, you know, something that you're driving now for less than thirty dollars to $50,000. Um, and that's not necessarily the way people want to go. So we help where we can, but we, we've also helped people make the decision to replace them too. My question that I've been thinking is new, brand new vehicles today, how long are they going to last? Are they made to last? Just because it seems like almost everything in in this day and age, and this is not a knock on anything, it's just it's made to only last a certain amount of time just because things are made more to be disposed or easily disposed instead of how things used to be made where it would you wouldn't be able to deconstruct it. And you're right. I mean, you know, we used to have the TV repairman come to the house. Now we just buy another flat screen at Walmart for three ninety nine or whatever yeah. the case may be. Right. Cars, though, you're not talking about a four or five hundred dollar television. You know, you're talking about a several thousand dollar proposition. And keeping them up is is can be just as expensive. Unfortunately, our cars better today than they were? Yeah, from a longevity and and operating as predictably as you'd like them to. Absolutely. I mean, 
aside from a dead battery, when's the last time one of these things didn't start in the wintertime for crying out loud? That's true. And they're very sophisticated. There's a lot of safety features on vehicles that just weren't there a long, long time ago. Yes, it makes it more difficult to work on. Yes, it makes it more expensive for certain repairs. And some vehicle brands are much better than others at being reliable and maintenance-free. Which are which? Which are those? Can you disclose? <laughs> you know, the the first thing, quite frankly, that I'll suggest to my customers when they're looking for a vehicle is a Toyota or a Honda. Quite frankly, they are by far the least expensive maintenance vehicle if you do the maintenance you're supposed to overall, and the longest lasting without a major repair. You know, let me give a perspective to you. David Bruce recently sold, changed hands, and they yep. used to be a Cadillac dealership as well as Toyota. Well, I used to buy most of my GM parts through David Bruce, and they don't necessarily handle them directly any longer. So I used to spend four to $5,000 a month with them buying parts. Since they're mostly Toyota parts, I spend three to $400 a month with them. Wow. Because you're not buying the GM Correct. parts from them any longer. Exactly. Wow. So how's that for an analogy? That's a pretty good analogy. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty good. And I feel like that's nothing new, though. I feel like Toyota and Honda have had that reputation for quite some time. I tease my customers with older Toyotas all the time. I told them, you know, Toyota's got a recall on that, don't you? I says, no, really? I says, well, you know, there's nothing wrong with it. They just wanted you to buy something new by now. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. <clears throat> Good point. And I've had Chevy cars for a while now, and yeah, I'm usually bringing it in for something, it seems yeah, like. Yeah, but you so. do a pretty good job taking care of your car, and fortunately it doesn't to. surprise you a great deal. <laughs> no, no, that's true. But And that's really the key to any of them. You know, if, if you do what you should, when you should, then they usually last a pretty long time. It doesn't really matter who the manufacturer is. Yes, some are less likely to have characteristic breakdowns than others, but all things considered, if you maintain it, like the book says, like your manual says in the little maintenance guide, then it's actually going to last a pretty darn long time for you without anything really significant happening. What are some myths that are just a lot of people think are true and it's just not true. The best myth right now that people have a hard time getting to bed with is that a lot of vehicles require synthetic oil. And it used to be the mindset that synthetic oil lasts longer. You can go further on an oil change because it's synthetic oil. You can't. The technology and the engines today, which allow for so many mechanical moving parts to do things that other things used to do. And without getting too technical, Specifically, there's a, a chain-driven component that allows for rotation inside of the engine so that one way gives you more performance, one way gives you lower emissions. And when those parts start to wear or fail or get restricted, it has drivability issues and can lead to other parts failing. So taking that oil change all the way to the end of the, even just all the way to the end of what the maintenance reminder tells you can be devastating to some of the mechanical parts. The other thing that people don't always realize is in their maintenance guides, there's going to be normal maintenance and severe maintenance for a lot of different vehicles. That severe service maintenance, unfortunately, applies to anything that drives in our community. Most of the time, it will be if your vehicle endures any of the following, use the severe service maintenance guide, and it'll include driving in temperatures below 32 degrees, stop and go traffic, driving for less than five miles at under 30 miles an hour, driving for less than 10 miles at over 50 miles an hour, you know, whatever the characteristics are, if you qualify for any one of them, 
you qualify for a mall. It doesn't matter. So with that, a lot of people think that, you know, oh, it's a 10,000 mile oil change on some cars. Not, not if you read the fine print. So even if you got the synthetic oil, like the most highest performance synthetic oil in there, doesn't mean that it's good to have your car go for that 10,000 mile. Correct. Yeah. It's just, there's so many different And that's variables. all based on your manufacturer's recommendations, which is spelled out typically in your owner's, your owner's manual. manual. Yeah. However, no, most of the time you'll find out that that interval is a lot less despite using synthetic. And the thing about having to use synthetic is that it has certain anti-wear properties that's developed in it, like General Motors. Not only is it synthetic oil, but it's Dexos certified for vehicles newer than 2012 or so. So that being said, if you're not using that designated oil, it may not have the anti-wear characteristics and the cleaning agents necessary to keep all those parts moving, even if you are changing it early. The other sort question about, you know, higher, higher quality oils lasting longer and things like that, yeah. they don't advertise that anymore. So for a little while, Mobile had the once a year oil change. Yes, I remember that. Okay, maybe that was what I was thinking of because I remember seeing ads heavily. It was with one of the NASCAR drivers and it were, they were promoting this oil that you just had to change it once a year and that's it. So that's not a thing anymore or it's just not being heavily promoted? It's definitely not being heavily promoted because there's a lot of vehicles that wouldn't qualify for that. And if they did try and qualify for it, they would wind up damaging things because no oil is able to stand up to the particular environment that it's been engineered for. And, and, you know, one of the things that I was saying about synthetic oils earlier is that most vehicles require it because of all those complicated valve components in there. If the oil doesn't flow properly at colder temperatures, it's starving it for oil and you're creating additional wear and timing chains wear out prematurely. The guides break. You know, we've, we've taken apart engines where those guides have been falling down and fell into the oil pan and the thing is just sloppy as can be. It's amazing the thing made it in there. So what about electric cars? <laughs> have, have you touched any electric cars? Do you guys do that yet? Yes, we have. And yes, we do. Yeah. Of course, until cars fly, you know, they're, they're going to they're gonna be rolling on something and they're going to be stopping with something. So, you know, there's going to be a need for, for mechanical service and they're going to be suspended by something. So there's going to oh, be yeah. a need for mechanical service regardless. Oh, absolutely. However, you know, electric cars get into a whole different ball game. I'm personally not a fan. I did own a hybrid for a while. I had a hybrid Toyota Highlander and it was a great vehicle and it was really maintenance free. I gave it up with about 80,000 miles on it to get my current vehicle and it was terrific. However, from a longevity standpoint afterwards, I don't know, and again, what I don't know about, I could probably fill in an encyclopedia, but um, <laughs> you know, from, a, from a manufacturing standpoint, from a mining standpoint, I'm, I'm really not convinced why we haven't gone into hydrogen as a power source for vehicles and, and, and focused on that more frequently. I mean, it could be made with water for crying out loud, and it does a terrific job. And again, so, how does, so how does hydrogen power work then? Well, hydrogen is an explosive gas. And as it's channeled into the intake system, it can run the vehicle just like gasoline, just like propane does for forklifts and some delivery vehicles that are powered on propane and things like that. You know, it's an explosive gas and it works just as well. However, it can be created with water, baking soda, and two electrodes inside of a container is the most rudimentary form of creating it. If you were to create it on demand in the vehicle as opposed to have a tank that you filled up at a gas station, so to speak. So I really don't know why that technology didn't lead the way. I guess because right. Right. You do. I think it's a lot of garbage trucks are propane powered now or, you, or natural or natural, natural gas, gas, one of the propane, two. What have you. Yeah. Sure. So there are vehicles like that. So, yeah, it does make you wonder. 
What's something that you really have come to really like as far as advancement in cars? I mean, there has to be something that you find. The advancement, the technology is a blessing and a curse, actually, (laughs) because it's wonderful to have all these things at a touch of a button and have everything do everything for you. And between the seat heaters, between the Bluetooth stereo, between the navigation systems, you know, I I made a joke on Facebook a couple of weeks ago. You know, do you you believe that a few years ago we were printing up stuff from MacQuest and traveling like pirates? Yes, yes. I've I've often thought about that because the the what was so bad about that was there was so many times where the directions you printed out were not correct. Oh, yeah, you know, and so you would get to where the address you put in where you wanted to go, you get there and it's not it's not the place. It no. it didn't take you to the place you wanted to go. And now what? You know, you can't print out anymore when we're in the car. You know? Oh yeah, no, you can't. What's something? I I know there has to be some crazier stories or encounters that you've had come through your your shop crazy encounters that's come through the shop yeah you know i think i some 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 of my encounters have been borrowed vicariously i think one of the funniest ones was we had a customer that came in that we had never met before that was rather upset about their service and they were holding a warranty envelope in their hands and i i didn't want to interrupt them because they were pretty passionate about what they felt at the moment, but it was for a competing shop across town. <laughs> so, so I let them go ahead and keep on ranting and raving and talking and how we did this and did that and so on and so forth. And I looked at the envelope and said, ma'am, excuse me, I'm happy to help you out. And I'm sorry you had that experience, but that's not us. And she looked at the envelope and she looked at me and said, well, F you. And she walked out the shop. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Man. You know, you work with enough people, eventually you find some oh. funny stories in it. I'm very blessed, though. Our customers are terrific. We have we work really hard. You know, we're in a business that not everyone knows a lot about that may, or may know enough to to just get by. And therefore, there's a lot of negativity towards, you know, being taken advantage of or, or told something that not. And, you know, I've probably forgotten more than I remember about why we do the things we do to make sure that that system is in place to help develop the trust. You know, for instance, you walk out of our office door to come out and see your vehicle to, to see what's wrong with it if you're visiting with us. And in today's day and age, we take a lot of pictures and text on the customers in order to help understand the need for service. But when you walk out the office door, there's a pile of parts sitting there. And it's not because we're slobs, it's because that's where we put everybody's parts until they pick up their vehicle in case they want to see something we replaced. And we've been doing that since forever. Um, but it's just easier to stack everything there. Here's the parts sure, that we just replaced. This, Did you yeah. want to see them? Did you want to take them with you? I mean, you know, you don't take my word for it. Here you here, go. Right, here it is. Yeah, there's there's been several times where you've shown me things on any vehicle I brought in. Be like, look, this yeah. is... This is what we're looking at here, you know, and be exactly. like, oh, wow. <laughs> so it's it's not, and, and that's what I really appreciate. And I know almost everyone else appreciates that too, is just that that's why the, the customer service is just top notch. I, I never feel like I'm getting taken advantage of and, and the answers don't, they don't, you know, sometimes those answers can kind of change or they don't sound exactly clear, but they're always clear and concise when I go to your shop. Thank you. You know, so it, and there's no there's no questioning what you're telling me because it, your answer stays consistent. <laughs> you well, know? and you know, we, we, we work on a lot of vehicles a year and 
How many do, do you know how many you work on a year? Close to 5,000. Wow. And in that, if there's ever a time that we're mistaken, we own up to it. We don't make it your responsibility for our mistake and, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll fess up to it and we'll take care of it. And I, you know, we're not talking about a mistake like, you know, you know sorry, you know, your, your car got on fire and it's, <laughs> it's, it's out back smoldering right now. No, we're not talking about stuff like that. Yeah. But, you know, you know, because everyone's so busy and we don't have the waiting customers like we used to because service doesn't take just, you know, 30 minutes or an hour. Most of the time it's several hours. We try and be very concise with our questioning in order to try and focus on whatever the problem is because we don't always have an opportunity to go for a test drive with you because you may need to go to work or, you know, something else needs to, has to get done. You know, the grandkids need to get picked up, whatever the case may be. We mistook one noise for another. Yeah, we fixed a problem that we had. It was a legitimate problem, but it wasn't necessarily what you brought it in for. You know, we do what we can to make it right. That's the only fair thing to do. Now, you yourself are a car collector. I am. Um, car connoisseur. How many do you have a at lot. this point? I know you've got a, is it a 57 Chevy or a 56? I do have a 57 uh, Chevy. Yeah. How many do you own? And Well, I have the 57 Chevy you spoke right. of. As If we go from oldest to newest, I've got the, the 41 Chevy Master Deluxe. I've got a 50 Oldsmobile Rocket 88 with about 47,000 miles on it. Wow. That's all original. It even has the crayon marks on the frame still where it indicated V8. So then the assembly line, they knew what to expect was coming into it. All that stuff's still on there. That's cool. Um, the 57's next. I have a 63 Corvair that I'm working on putting together. I have a 65 Corvair. I have a 68 AMC Rebel. My wife has an 80 Corvette. I have a 78 Cadillac Eldorado Baritz that I bought from my uncle before he passed away, that who thing. bought it brand new in oh. 1978. It's got 7,000 miles on it to this day. What? Yep. Did he just not drive that thing? He bought the car as the last of the big ones. It's going to be worth big bucks because they're not going to make them like this anymore. And he went into the showroom floor at Shirey Cadillac in Oak Lawn and bought this car yellow, yellow cushy leather interior, yellow tinted moonroof. He even painted the garage floor yellow and put down four pieces of carpet where he parked the car. <laughs> wow. And and for years, you know, that was that was kind of the running joke. It only came out once or twice a year that we'd see it at a holiday or something like that. And now ah, there's Uncle Drew's at the car. Hey, Billy, how you doing? You like the car? It's a good car. Yeah. <laughs> I'm thinking this thing is a like a boat. Right? Oh, it's huge. This, it's just... It's it, all at 21 feet long. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> wow. Yep. Almost end to end in the garage. Yeah. Where do you store all these things? I was fortunate that at the beginning of all, well, I, I bought a house that has a big garage. That's okay. the short answer to it. <laughs> I was fortunate to find it at the beginning of COVID. We were kind of bored at the shop, and I used to sell houses on the side when I was working for Meineke. I was also a realtor. And you know, so every now and then I'll click around and see what's for sale and what the values of properties are going for. And I happened to trip over the listing for this house. Well, the day that I was looking at it, I was at the shop. There was nothing really going on because everyone was kind of hunkering down. And Doug Anderson, the Kinky County tax assessor, came in. So what are you doing, Bill? So what do you think of this house, Doug? So I think we should ought to go look at it. I said, I haven't even called the bank or anything. He said, ah, don't worry about that. <laughs> so he takes me to see the house. And I said, you know, it's, it's terrific. It's what we want. He said, you don't want to see anything else? I said, no. I said, here's a check. Let's go ahead and put an offer in on it. Well, it was odd the way the listing was on the house because it was on the market last year. And then it was off the market until March. And then March came around. Well, I found out later that the woman who was selling the house loved the house so much that she didn't want anybody trampling through it with their shoes on in the uh, in the winter time. So she took it off the market from November until yeah. March, and then it had just gone back on the market again. Well, lo and behold, we had put the offering on the house, and you know, talked to the bank, and everything was fine there. Well, um, three more people had put offers in right behind us. So 
she looked at the name there and uh, it turned out Mary was affiliated with Annunciation Church. So she calls up the church over there and says, tell me about this Bill Paracas kid. Is he any good? <laughs> so wow. they, they, they vouched for me there and she accepted our offer over everybody else's and we had the house. Oh my gosh. Well, I guess it pays to be uh, go to Greek Orthodox Church, <laughs> right? <laughs> you know, it's, it's not what you know, it's who you know, That's I guess. Right. Oh you know? my gosh. And I'm sure that's a question you get all the time with your last name being Paracas, mm-hmm. like Greek. Is are both sides of your family? I am the first generation born in America. Both of my parents are from Greece. That's amazing. Yep. So there's got to be some stories there. Oh, I, I've got a few stories yeah. about that. You know, yeah. what, you got to imagine, I, I don't think anybody, unless they've had anyone come into America in any recent times that they can speak to the people that did to understand what they endured in order to make that decision. And, you know, you, you can you could talk about Canada, you could talk about Mexico, that's kind of right next door and it's more familiar to us in today's age. But, you know, when you're coming over from Europe, all right, this is a, an airplane ride or a boat ride that they have to save up years in order to accomplish. And this is in the 40s. So a picture, it's World War II. My grandfather, who actually, I'll now tell you another, I'll, I'll, I'll segregate over to that in a second. My <laughs> okay. grandfather owned a business in, in northern Greece where my family's from, and he, um, blacksmith and, and, and whatever needed fixing he could fix, he actually mentored a lot of people in the area. When I used to go to church in Joliet, there was a parishioner there that knew my grandfather, and he was about nine, ten years old, and my grandfather would show him how to do this, that, and the other, and I actually have a plant stand that he had made at his own blacksmith shop at his home on his farm in Plainfield that he gave me, and I have it in my yard. It's the closest thing I have to my grandfather actually making something, because cool. my grandfather showed him how to do it. Wow. But now it's World War II. The Germans and the Italians have invaded northern Greece, and they decided they're going to stay at my grandparents' home. So amongst the 10 children that they had, because my dad comes from a family of 10. My grandfather was an orphan. He never wanted his children to ever know what it was like to be alone. And he and my grandmother, God rest their souls, had 10 children. So he um, was then asked, quote unquote, to assemble whatever munitions were being brought into northern Greece. So and they told him they'd pay him and everything's going to be great because that was kind of the storyline, you know, in the beginning there. So the soldiers come up to pick up the first wares and he says, well, where's the money? So we don't pay you. You, you. you work for us. He shuts the doors to the barn, puts a padlock on it, folds his arm. You don't pay, you don't get. So now they got the machine guns out pointed at him there. My uncle John, who's about 9, 10 years old, goes running down the hill. They're going to kill my father. And fortunately, the... The general that was at the house there wasn't quite the, the the Gestapo that you see on the movies and everything. He went up and, no, 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 it's okay, and paid them and went on their way. But, you know, that was the life. He's lucky because, right, in the movies, we all know what usually happens. Absolutely. There, just... And, you know, I, I, I don't know enough stories to know if they saw things like that. I just know that they— um, we're encouraged enough that maybe this life in America isn't such a bad idea. So here's the point about, you know, moving. You know, sometimes we're, we're hesitant to, to move across town. My grandfather came over to America first, got, got a job in a steel mill doing welding because he loved the welding and whatnot, saved up enough money to send for my grandmother two years later, a year and a half later. And then it took another two years for the two of them to be able to afford to bring the kids over. So who do the kids stay with? Family. Family. The oldest. My Uncle Tony was the oldest. He kind of took over at that point there. So, yeah, you're leaving your kids behind so that you can afford to ship them over 
to America. And I think they finally came over in 54 was the last batch of them at that point. So funny story about all that. It was a few years after I had the shop that I was sitting with one of my aunts and my aunt Pat was telling me, he says, Billy, you're the only one that uh, took on your grandfather's passion. I said, what do you mean? Well, when he came to America, he always wanted to open a muffler shop. So you're kidding. And she told me the story about what he wanted to do. And unfortunately, my grandfather died before I was born. He died of lung cancer in 67. So I didn't have the opportunity to meet him personally. But uh, again, always very highly spoken of, very, very well respected in, the, in our community and people that knew him. Wow. That's incredible. It's amazing that you get to kind of carry on that legacy, something that he always wanted to do, and you didn't even know. I had no idea. I, evidently, that's where I got my passion for wanting to fix things and be mechanically inclined, but yeah. I had no idea until then. That's great. And I'm sure, I mean, given, you know, the with the Greek families being so intertwined with each other, mm-hmm. I'm sure even probably when you started going, like, to church here in Kankakee, you probably met some connections there oh, absolutely. I would imagine you yeah, know matter of fact world. father nick for that matter was the priest in oak lawn there and okay. uh, my aunt just made uh, two weeks ago the basilopita that we cut at the church or the bread that we have for uh, in honor of saint basil that they cut so my aunt pat made that for for them even though she's out in oak lawn so yeah it's it, it, everybody knows everybody eventually yeah and, and that's what it seems like especially with the greek community mm-hmm. and i don't know if that's is that just because everyone's so tight knit or is it just how how is that you know how does that work i'm gonna say yes however um you know there's a lot of us but it's a big small world and and you know we tend to be invested in each other's lives either through marriage through through being godparents growing up together what have you and and somehow we've we've stayed pretty pretty tight and then you 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 start talking to people and you realize that you knew people through people and you know i guess it's kind of like going to a big high school and realizing that you know you were friends with somebody that you didn't know you were friends with and but it's it's a similar situation but no we we are passionate about family. We're passionate about that lineage. And I guess it's fresh enough for us that we still kind of carry on some of those traditions, whereas things type to, I don't want to call it be Americanized, but some of the older European traditions kind of wane off as you start to get into, you know, the next generation, the next. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure there's some things that you've kind of made your own at this point. Oh, absolutely. So what what are some of your favorite traditions to extenuate through your family and your kids and grandkids. You know, Easter has to be the, the biggest tradition, if you will. My, my uncle, who was the young man that was running down the hill as a child there, had Easter at his house until he passed away. And then his son, Stephen, took it over after that. And we always all try to get together, at least for that one holiday and combined family reunion slash Easter celebration. That's probably the number one thing that I think my kids will take on with them that they'll remember and pass on. And we have we have other you know traditions too, and they tend to revolve around church, quite frankly. But you know that's probably the biggest family event. Now you know where I'm from. You know my family. <laughs> yeah. I appreciate you asking me about the business again. I'm always flattered. Oh that yeah. You're... Well, no, I mean it's just you know I I've luckily. You know, I've had more great experiences with car mechanics, just in general, than I've had bad experiences. Good. And I guess getting back to that, though, because I'm sure people, obviously people get in situations, 
maybe they're second guessing the mechanic that they're at now and they're wanting to know some red flags maybe or you know so what are some red flags when something you know it it, it should be transparent is really the the bottom line there should be a willingness to be able to talk openly about a situation and be able to admit when you're wrong if you're wrong. You know, we never try and argue a problem behind the counter. Let's get the car in the shop. Let's find out what's wrong and, and go from there. We try not to diagnose it over the phone. I mean, we can give you a couple of ideas of what we think it is, but ideally, if we don't look at it, it's kind of like asking your doctor, why does my foot hurt? Well, you know, I can't really tell from here, you know. <laughs> So that that being said, you know, transparency and willingness to be able to, you know, be real with people. If it's right, it's right. If it's wrong, it's wrong. Fix it. Move on. Get on to the next thing. Nobody needs to. I don't remember the last time I've had anybody that was irate with us. There shouldn't be any reason to, you know, and again, if that situation ever comes up, it may be someone that doesn't know us well yet, but they will by the end of it. And therefore, you know, their impression has has changed at that point. And again, we're talking about circumstances that happen once or twice a year. Mm. However, you know, advice to people that are working with people with their vehicles, there should be transparency, there should be honesty, there should be ways to substantiate the claims and therefore make it reasonable, logical and and, and understood. And, you know, I was going to say Amber, who you have working for Mm -hmm. you now, she hasn't been there super long, but she's awesome. I've I've been meaning to tell you that she is just she definitely kind of carries out your I don't know if values is the right word, but just how you execute your customer service. I feel like she just does that so well. I'd... I'm so glad you noticed because yeah. she absolutely does. And we're very, very blessed to have her. Funny, you know, when we first met, she came to the shop because the um, person that she was using for daycare, they're our customers. And she she was traveling up north to uh, countryside to work at another shop. And uh, she had made comment how, you know, she was going to, that she was settling here and didn't want to be making the drive any longer. And they suggested that she come and talk to me because it was maybe two weeks ago that, uh, you know, they noticed me running the shop by myself and, you know, asked if I'd ever consider having anybody on. So they sent her in and she came to talk with us. And she and I, my wife and, and her boyfriend went out to dinner and talked about the business and asked her questions about what she knew. And, you know, she impressed me enough that I made her an offer and she was willing to accept. Funny thing is that she's very modest. And she was afraid that she wasn't going to be good enough. Quite frankly, as she reminds me of myself when I was her age, when I first started in the business and running stores, but she's better. And I let her know that. She's top notch, I think. I mean, she anything that she tells me, I, I don't second guess it. I just know. I'm like, okay. You know, she, she's well spoken. She also went through the automotive program at Moraine Valley Community College. Oh, okay. As a matter of fact. And... Not only that, but I found out recently, again, talk about being modest, found out recently when she had to go to the meeting, she's invited back twice a year to be part of the Student Advisory Council to the Automotive Program, Maureen Valley. Okay. Yeah. So she she knows her stuff. She does. And she's very good. And yeah, I just, I feel like if you're gone, if you're not even around, I'm, I'm in good hands. Like I... You know, I definitely feel that way. Indeed so. you are. And at first, you know, the, everybody that called would ask for me and, you know, they didn't know any better. And, yeah. you know, after a while now, uh, they're starting to ask for her. <laughs> <laughs> here, here, Amber, the phone's for you. 
Um, yeah, you don't need. But you, you don't know, need me. <laughs> you know, and, and I appreciate you bringing her up, and I know that you know her by first name by coming in and, and utilizing right. her services. But everybody that we have there is great. It's the best crew that I've ever had, and I'm very proud of all of them. I do as much as I can to make sure that they are well compensated, well fed, comfortable. They have families. They need time to do what they need to do. We we try and work or we're. We try and work that all in. It's yeah. all part of the deal. Right. It's it's hard. It's a it's a balancing act. You know, it's hard to do all those things, but it seems like But again, none of this works without them. Mm-hmm. And they're terrific. Yeah. I guess I just want to close out and just saying thank you so much for your support and you know, seeing how passionate you are supporting all the different community organizations that you support. It's definitely inspiring and just flattering to have your support as well. I guess the only other thing we didn't get into is just all your amazing dad jokes and, ah, you know. The sign. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I feel like we need to have a, just like a separate segment of just Bill from Meineke reading jokes from his sign. That's right. Your car's not foreign to us. Tell us your sob story. <laughs> Um, you know, the sign, the sign, funny enough, you know, I had, you know, we always had a reader board out there and I wasn't sure anybody was really paying attention to it. And then I got the electronic reader board where we could switch it back and forth pretty easily from the comfort of the office instead of going out there when it's 10 degrees on a ladder. And, you know, one day I decided to say, you know, how effective is this stupid thing? Is anybody really reading it? So I, I put free brake pads on the sign there. And I, I, I even had people in the office that never paid any attention to it, never asked about it or anything like that. So I thought, you know what, this is ridiculous. I'm, I'm not using this for sales promotions. Nobody cares what's on sale or what we have this week. It's not like I'm selling pizzas or anything. So the heck with it. We're going to put funny stuff on there that maybe people pay attention to. Holy cow, do they pay attention to it? <laughs> someone, I hope someone is writing down your great marketing right there because that is genius. It's just a reminder that we don't have to specifically like market our product like we can just because obviously those jokes have have not has nothing to do with a car we take ourselves <laughs> way too seriously you know it's 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 nice to have confidence and 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 not necessarily go about it in such a way where everything's got to be business 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 yeah and that's what i i love about i'm always excited to see what the next joke is you i'm know? glad to hear that <laughs> yeah i'll try not to disappoint you next week <laughs> i think i mean i think everyone else in the because what you started that right was it right around covid it when was. that hit yeah and so that was a great time to start that up you know it was just having these ridiculously silliest lame jokes but those are the ones that are the funniest you know i think the best one was one of the more recent ones from like this last week about the uh what the brian adams or oh or the, i lost my pizza cutter I lost, so yeah. i use my brian adams cd it cuts like a knife <laughs> it's <laughs> so bad but it's, it's so good you know the the one that we got the most hits off of actually was I, I don't remember what the world was arguing about in the media, but I, I had put up there, <laughs> now at Walmart, CBD-infused toilet paper so everybody can calm their butt down. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Man. Well, Bill, thank you so much again. And, yeah, if if there's ever a time you want to come back, you're always welcome to come back. And thank you. And thank you for, for your support. Thank you for having me. 
That does it for this episode of Kankakee Podcast. I'm Jake Lamore. Thank you so much for listening. Kankakee Podcast is proudly presented by Pewter Pros, Stitch Prints, and Digital World Design family of businesses celebrating 25 years of small business ownership in Kankakee County. You can learn more at mypewterpros.com, stitchprints.com, and digitalworlddesign.com. Plus, now through March 15th, Pewter Pros is offering $50 off all refurbished laptops and desktops in store. All include one-year parts and labor. All include one-year parts and labor warranty. So go see Pewter Pros on Industrial Drive and Bradley to check out that sale before it's gone. Also, a special thank you to our patrons for helping make this episode possible, including Don Geisinger, Diana Crowley, Joseph Lamont, Bill Paracus, Lori Krayoch, Karen Bishop, SLS Home Inspections, Seth and Mary Berkey, Jake Lee, Jesse Arsenault, um, Dave Barron, Veronica Featherston, John Sullivan, Sue Horn. Nung, Samantha Rocknowski, Lake Iverson, Travis Garcia, Jane Bostwick, Dawn Harrison, Simon Topless, Scott Wright, Carrie O'Connell, Jamie Race, Joanne Berry, Anthony Vicelli, Eric Olson, Nolan Bukowski, Natalie Flagel, Carl Earps, Jeff and Rosa Carroll, Teague Dreenan, Sandy and Steve Twait, and Rose Lucky. To become a podcast patron, go to kankakeepodcast.com and then click on the Patron tab. If you pledge $5 or more per month, you'll also hear your name announced on an episode of Kankakee Podcast. There's uh, also extended versions of episodes available, video versions, and much more for our patrons. Our theme song was written and performed by Lupe Carroll and recorded by Daniel Bishop. Also, additional editing for this episode was done by our intern, Colin Furrow. 